Captain Cook, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Australian for <laughs> inspecting something or to to have a look. It's oh, to... it's like Australian rhyming slang. Exactly. Have a have a Captain Cook, according to CNN Travel, in apparent honor of the first Brit to map Eastern Australia. Uh, he and had then, a and then Cook getting killed, having it. a look. Uh, yeah. at some <laughs> at some folks that he had pissed off over a period of years. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so, so the stewards did some inspecting to one car before disqualifying them. Who will it be? Whoa. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? It's good. I like that cold open. It's like people. We looked at the statistics, and people keep leaving within the first ten seconds because they're like, "Wait, is this <laughs> podcast racist?" <laughs> Uh, also joining us, Rob Sagney. How are you, Rob? Uh, I'm good. I'm enjoying the fact that we're opening on cliffhangers now. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a good evolution. It's a sweet speak. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, <laughs> a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we have got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works, who everybody is, and all that stuff. So if you want to go back and listen to that and get up to speed... That's episode 178. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? We are rounding out our review of Drive to Survive Season 4. We already have Part 1, which covers the first five episodes. Part 2 will be getting recorded this week. And we'll have it up uh, probably early next week. Um, uh, so you can watch along or watch and then listen or just listen and don't bother watching whatever you want. And of course, thank you to all our incredible 2022 title sponsors. Tanner McCleave, Bulgarian Bonbon, Mickey's O.O, N at NF1, T underscore NFTs, Olivia Evans, Team Blackjack, Christian Horner, Pyrites Cardcastle, Erica Siegel, Iron Station Studios, Alan McCarry, TelemetryDeck.com, Gnarly Ghost. David Mule, Drew Stewart, Big Promble Motorsports, Bailey Foot, Abdallah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Bunny Thorpe, Octocrimes, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Reagan, Max Valtar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romf, and Jason Kelly. Our car is full of names. Wow. Yeah, it's like a it's like a stock car over here with so many stickers on it. <laughs> Big M&M's uh, on it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, let's jump right to it, folks. The Australian Grand Prix. Here's your grid. Charles Leclerc on pole position by nearly three-tenths over Max Verstappen. Yeah, he kept that in his back pocket a little bit. See, well, I sure mean, they the, the good pace all weekend, but uh, not that much. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, good, good for Verstappen. Uh, because Q3 was a little treacherous, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, Max Verstappen, his his car also uh, was being worked on on the grid on race day. Um, don't really know what that was about, but perhaps related to something that happens later in the race. Mm. Uh, Sergio Perez will start third ahead of Lando Norris. McLaren back near the top this time ahead of both of the Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton in fifth, George Russell in sixth. And then Daniel Ricciardo, finally a strong qualifying showing uh in front of his home crowd or getting to at least show his uh, papaya colors in front of australia for the first time in three years uh esteban Ocon is in eighth carlos Sainz is in ninth he had a yeah. miserable q3 after looking strong in practice his car apparently wasn't starting correctly in qualifying <laughs> so he missed the window to do his first run and then uh, Fernando Alonso, who lines up 10th, was on an absolutely blistering lap in Q3, having gone fastest in Sector 2, uh, and then in the middle of a turn, runs out of hydraulic pressure, can't stop the car, uh, which causes him to drift over the gravel and into some barriers. Red uh, flag. That brought out a red flag, and so that also kind of uh, messed with Carlos Sainz's day because he he managed to... Uh, get out with one, one more. He had one more time for um, one more run 
uh, in the remaining time. But again, his car wouldn't start, so he wasn't able to do proper warm-ups and uh, uh, had a, a much slower time than than his teammates. Yeah, so he was he was on the start-finish straight when the red flag kicked. And the red flag ends Ugh. the race. It voids a lap if you're on one. You can't just yellow flag, you know, just... Ah, well, just, it pauses it because they, they restarted the Q3, but there just wasn't enough time for him to do it again. Right, but it just means that, yeah, but the time that he was on, it wasn't as if, like, you you know, you hit right. those waved yellows and you just kind of keep your foot on the gas. It, it's, <laughs> if he doesn't make the line and a red flag pops, it's, it's, you're not, it's not counting. So, yeah, yeah just a... The, the the continuation of a bad weekend for him which n- seemingly never ended yes um pierre gasly will line up just outside the points or uh, outside the top 10 in 11th place followed by valter botas yuki sonoda uh Zhou Guan Yu, mick schumacher in 15th then we've got kevin magnuson uh and then sebastian vettel Oh boy! Speaking yeah. of misfortune, the entire Aston Martin team this weekend—he, Sebastian Vettel—had an engine problem in free practice one, and uh, that brought out a red flag. So he just took a scooter, Danny. Yeah, he did. He just <laughs> decided to wave at the fans and kind of wear a helmet in perhaps the most dangerous way possible, which is the sort of like. <laughs> Just on the top Up of where your a head. headband would go. Yeah, might be worse than not wearing a helmet. I, you know, I, I, there's an argument there probably. Um, but yeah, he got fined uh, quite a lot of money, five thousand euro and, and change. Uh, Damn, he I hope he's all right. Several. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't care. Sure, a little bit of levity during his week. Uh, yeah, he broke a couple of rules. You can't have a non racing car or non-allowed yeah, car he drove on it on the, the circuit it's not like when you you hop over and a marshal takes you back to the pits yes. you know uh, by the stands or whatever he, he drove it on the track which is on really the track funny. which which there could be other obviously on another weekend there might be another racing series on but equally support vehicles would go out uh, often after a race to do stuff so they mightn't expect a you know f- fairly slow little scooter flying around and um, he also um didn't take a marshal with it, which is another thing that you're you're not allowed solo apparently on one of those oh, bikes. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I'm not sure if there's a delineation between like they have to drive or you can drive. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe you can just have a marshal with you as a as a buddy. <laughs> but uh, Vettel clearly not wanting to take the marshal's life in their hands as well uh, on the track. So, but we did get a lot of um, look, mom, no hands going around uh, turn uh, eleven. I think so. That was quite cool. Uh, Sebastian Vettel then sat out free practice too. Um, again, probably due to uh, car issues. <clears throat> then had a crash in free practice three. So the team was rebuilding his car during qualifying. Stroll also crashed in free practice three, but his damage wasn't as significant. So he did get to start qualifying. Um, yeah, can we, can we Vettel, talk about that crash? Yeah, one second. Uh, Vettel right. only managed to start qualifying thanks to more time given to his mechanics. As a result, Danny, of the red flag brought out by his teammate. I should have known not to interrupt his flow. He knew exactly where he was going with that. I forgot. <laughs> it, I forgot. That was the whole thing was that while, at least on the commentary I was watching on the international broadcast, they were saying, oh, it's a shame. They really tried. They really tried with Vettel's car, but they're simply just not going to get it out. And they cut from his car the yes. garage to the crash which then ultimately led to there being enough time for him to get out um yeah in the moment i was kind of threw my hands up with latifi and went you absolute pelic you've done it again you've just created a crash where no one else would seemingly allow a crash to happen um he let uh, uh why do i keep lance stroll past i always want to say lance Norris. uh he let lance stroll past um on like turn the entrance to turn five um thinking that maybe he was on a fast lap not really knowing also uh, Joe Guan Yu was coming up behind him I believe um and he let him pass but <clears throat> Stroll had finished his lap I believe so he wasn't on uh, a fast lap going up getting trying to get tires uh, heating the tires or whatever Latifi was so then Latifi attempted to overtake in a sort of a weird spot like kind of uh up the inside of that little shaded area. Um, Stroll either trying to get out of the way for Zhou Guan Yu or just drifting to the non-racing line of the track to allow someone past. Um, basically sort of closed the amount of available space to Latifi. Um, 
they both crashed Latifi very hard. Stroll had enough damage to his car though that he couldn't continue. Um, they penalized Stroll for it. He got a some sort of penalty for it. Um, Latifi yeah, three did place not grid penalty. get penalties. Yeah. So it, it, it felt to me like maybe an accident that was only possible with those two. Like there was a lot of people, you know, talking about <laughs> Stroll's history of not looking in his mirrors. I think you can sort of apply that one to a lot of people um, if you look at enough crashes. But it did seem like the type of crash that like Latifi gets into. Kind of like it reminded me of the Mazepin one at Imola where you're just like, this guy... <laughs> He just like puts the scar in places that he shouldn't and then stuff happens yeah i just like to me it was one of those things where however they ruled like that it's you know technically strolls the one who uh did something wrong there it's like it really did feel like both parties had to work hard to create an incident where <laughs> none had to happen like i do not understand like why latifi is pulled off to the side there and then immediately decides, oh, I'm just going to go and get background stroll like instantaneously. Uh, he sees the strolls on a different pace and decides like, OK, well, I'm just going to shoot past him. If I'm stroll, I don't think he's going to do that because why would he? He just let me by. So why is he trying mm-hmm. to like shoot this little gap uh, as we go around this corner? And it is like the, the fact that you had the alpha in there as a wild card does complicate this a bit uh, because like stroll you know, supposedly is is maybe looking to make space for another car to come through uh, that that does have pace on both of them. Um, but yeah, it just it like just overall the the entire thing seemed like guys making really poor decisions out there, real real lack of track awareness and like instinct or anticipation. Um, and and honestly, like talk about a cursed weekend for Aston. Really, like, can you imagine oh. being a mechanic? Oh my uh, gosh! At Aston, and like, you moved heaven and earth to get this car out, and immediately just wrecked <laughs> in a blue flag incident, just completely needlessly. Um, and then you know the the rest of the weekend happens, the race, like it's just seems like I I am glad I don't work there. Yeah, <laughs> it was a yeah. rough weekend yeah. for sure. It also seemed this this incident seemed to me it's something I think about when I'm on the freeway a lot and I see people doing stupid things like the the thought that goes through my head is you with your actions, you have put a lot of faith in me not to be an idiot. And I don't know that you should be doing that. Yeah, totally. Oh, no. All those, That's... every motherfucker who darts through traffic on a highway yeah. is basically like gambling that everyone else is going to save them from yeah. them being a dumbass. Like yeah. it's it's absolutely infuriating because like you can see those people coming and you're like I just have to be aware this guy's gonna try to shoot a gap uh, to get around me and I'm just gonna have to prepare for that because he's not gonna stop. Um, yeah, or like uh, no one's gonna break you know randomly at any time. All yeah. those people who like t- t- lane dodge and tailgate at the same time and you're yep. just like assuming no one's going to nothing's gonna happen anywhere that's gonna lead to a crash. Yeah, I, I was I was looking at it going like does Latifi do that on Hamilton? You know what I mean? Like, first of all, it was, like you said, it was dumb for him to leave him past and then immediately realize, oh, wait, no, that wasn't who I was supposed to leave past. I'll immediately fix that. But, like, I also thought, like, is he just doing this because it's Stroll? Like, he's just like, it oh, did, I'll just get past him. It did feel like guys down in, like, the junior varsity category of F1. <laughs> right. like Fellow Canadians. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and the fact they're both effectively pay drivers does not, like, help this at all. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, it's, I think maybe each of them sees the other as his Wario. And, <laughs> like, the truth is, you're both like the Waluigi's of F1, maybe. Uh, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. Well, the Waluigi of F1 is no longer here. So maybe they are both Wario's. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the point is, though, that it did feel like maybe guys who are in the same class of competitor right are both kind of insecure about their place in the sport scrapping it out at a moment where there is no scrap required Mm. also i'd just like to point out here that the the tire rubber came off of i think one of latifi's wheels and i i don't know you guys tell me i just feel like i've been seeing more and more tires come loose which they're not supposed to do even in low speed incidents 
like this. And although the drivers do have the halo, spectators and marshals do not. Hold on. Mm. Did it did it fly off? It like uh it some someone's tire unwrapped from the uh, wheel rim and like trundled along next to the crash. Oh, interesting. Uh Yeah, I didn't spot that either. Yeah, cuz uh, wh- what I remember was the way his um rear left like whipped up into the fuselage um which was oh, yeah. kind of alarming um yeah like the tires seem so much heavier this year i do wonder if they are under 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 stress uh making escapes uh more more readily um or or having more dramatic uh outcomes from incidents but um yeah that's a good point well, uh, Nicholas Latifi eventually will line up on the grid 18th after Stroll's three-place grid penalty. Uh, he'll go into 19th, oh, and then so Alex there. Albon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Alex Albon qualified 16th, uh, but curiously stopped on track after the end of Q1, the reason for which may be explained by what happened after, which was a disqualification from qualifying for not having enough fuel in the car for the stewards to test. So not only is he disqualified, he also got a three-place grid penalty uh, for his collision with Stroll in Jeddah. So he is oh, yeah. as far back in the field as you could possibly be in 20th. Yes, but his teammate's Nicholas Latifi, so by the end of the race, he'll be five places ahead of him. <laughs> All right. Well, we shall Latifi see. Latifi can't be around this next year. It's just stupid now. Just like, for goodness sake, get someone He's else in that money. race seat. I know, yeah. But does he have more money than Darlton Capital? Malde- Maldonado won a race. All right, that's all I'm going to say. There's paid <laughs> drivers true. and then there's paid drivers. It's true. All right. Shall we take it through the start of the Australian Grand Prix, Danny O'Dwyer? Uh, absolutely. Lights out. Away they went. Uh, good start from Charles. Uh, good start. Decent start, let's say, from Max. Very good start from Checo, which... We have seen multiple times too now. Good, in fact, yes, it's too good. We, this is it's it's become a sort of a kiss of death almost because if you put yourself in a position where you're not just you know easily uh, holding you know behind your behind your your you know your teammate ahead of you who you're less likely to do a sort of a crazy lunge at, um, sometimes you can get put in an awkward position. And once again, Checo was the second time this has happened to him this year. Um, he sort of attempted to maybe find some space alongside Verstappen, then ultimately had to get back into position. As he did so, the gap that he left by creating that space, by trying to close the space on the other side, Hamilton flew into. Um, Hamilton had a good start as well and basically passed him by uh, turn two, uh, just on that little first little sector there. A uh, couple of notable bad starts in there as well. Lando Norris had a tricky start. The McLarens obviously qualified quite well. Um, he's still not very happy with the car. Says that it's the same car they drove in Bahrain, but this is just a better circuit for them because it's just more flat out. Hmm. Um, but he had a bad start. But the worst start of the lot by far was uh, Carlos Sainz, who just went <clears throat> tumbling down the order. I think by the end of lap one, he was somewhere around 14th. Um, just uh, compounding problems with him on this weekend. Doesn't seem to get a break. Um, but aside from that, pretty clean through that, uh, you know, what is a fairly tight opening two corners. They've obviously opened them a little bit, which is good because these cars aren't small. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of lot of uh, the same. I would say that the only difference on this lap one is that we've had a lot of the cars um, driving close to each other these past three races in a way that is quite exciting to look at. And then we've seen overtaking as a result of that as we got down into braking zones and stuff. Um, the difference here there was that they were all driving again quite close to each other, which was really exciting. But even with these track changes, perhaps because of these track changes in some parts, um, there wasn't really much overtaking. Uh, it's uh, it's always been a narrow circuit, hard to overtake here. Um, and with the removal of some of the harder braking zones, um, maybe that stopped an overtaking opportunity earlier in the, earlier in the race. Um, it definitely created one that was easier uh, later down sector two. And worth mentioning as well, we something changed that happened before the race. We talked about those four DRS zones they, they were going to have this year. Uh, Drew pointing out this is the first time that they ever had four DRS zones. Uh, they decided to change it like two days before um, or the day before practice starts started. They uh, removed the fourth DRS zone. Um, 
in favor of uh, in just having having three. So they removed actually they removed the third one, did they? I, I think they removed the right. fourth one, but it was actually during the practices. Oh, oh was um, it during practice? Yeah, because wow. they were seeing like I gather they were seeing things they didn't like uh, in practice, oh. like that it looked yeah. like that might be dangerous. Dangerous, yeah. Um, That's a- which you know I, I can see and probably good on them for getting ahead of it. It seems like may- maybe it was particularly exaggerating the porpoise thing, which we didn't talk about, but the in cars really did dramatize oh, this weekend ferraris was really bad yeah like williams looked like how oh that williams uh yeah. i was thinking russell mercedes? says uh yeah. <laughs> mercedes but yeah. yeah uh mercedes looks like hell to drive but they all but yeah even the ferraris which have pace it looks unbelievably violent to i'm starting to worry about the remember the thing we talked about before about the micro concussion oh, i could thing do that i couldn't haven't... stop thinking about it watching it watching yeah. the race what, you, what you'd said because it just seems bad and the other thing is this you have the micro concussions but also um i think there's also like a growing body of of research that uh that kind of repetitive stress is actually really bad for spinal injury spine uh, as yeah well um it's so, like it's like, a, it's like forwards in rugby it's like <clears throat> the guys involved in like the the mall or the in rugby is uh, all these guys have compressed they lose like half an inch off the spine off the course of their careers because they're constantly doing that yeah i mean it's a different thing but like yeah yeah uh, like if if this is a temp this has to, hopefully this is a temporary thing like if we're still talking about porpoising a couple of years from now i'm gonna start really worrying about it I mean, they're going to, yeah, it's, well, they're going to get, they're going to get a handle on it because it costs them pace, right? Like, uh, Mercedes is running a sensor setup on Hamilton's car, uh, the entire weekend to try and figure out like what is going on because like they're already having to run at less optimal setups because of it, but they also don't fully understand it, but it is costing them pace. And like, you can sort of see how, um, it unsettles the car at key, at key turns, uh, and it's causing the drivers to lose pace. So the, the teams will, the teams will get a handle on it because it's costing them uh, performance. But yeah, I do question: can they really afford to wait a full season to get a handle on this? Uh, if even teams that have like come to grips with the issue to an extent, like Ferrari, it still looks uh, like a really punishing drive. I feel like. Hmm. Does it seem that bad with Red Bull? Or does Red Bull seem like they basically solved it? It wouldn't surprise me. Like, Nui's a genius, and he worked in the ground effects era. Yeah, um, it didn't look nearly as bad as, as every time yeah, I saw it. I certainly haven't been pointing it out. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, but, like, those Ferrari and Mercedes cams were just, like, one of the few times I'm like, man, I'm glad that I would I would I don't have this job. Uh, this doesn't mm-hmm. look fun. Yeah, and you, you're right, Rob. If if anyone saw on the on the race during the race a what looked like a um, a white or yellow light underneath the nose of the Mercedes, that is a ride height sensor. Uh, so yeah, they're they're still gathering data even during the race. Uh, worth pointing out that Carlos Sainz was one of the ones on the hard tire along with Fernando Alonso, Kevin Magnussen, yeah. uh, Sebastian Vettel, Nick uh, Lance Stroll. And crucially, Alex Albon, uh, and they were having a hard time um, lighting that one up. Uh, but lap two, indeed, signs cannot get the car stopped at turn nine, I think, and goes onto the grass, which at that point is like ice, and then skids over the track and into the gravel, resulting in a quick safety car. Uh, yeah. Magnuson would do the same thing on lap seventeen, but managed to keep it out of the gravel. So that that one was a, a tricky turn. Uh, under the safety car, only Stroll pits, and I thought this was interesting. He went from hard to medium, then did another lap under the safety car, <laughs> then pitted and went back from medium to hard, thus yeah. satisfying the requirement for two race compounds. That was funny. Which yeah, which Free seemed inexplicable until we saw the Albin strategy play out. Uh, yeah, like at the exactly. time, I was like, "Boy, they really don't know what they're doing down at Aston." But like, maybe they did. Like, it was, it, it was the, sort of the inverse of what they would end up trying at Williams, uh, which is the like hard is where we want to be. Um, we just need to satisfy the requirement. But at the at, at the time, it seemed perplexing, and like maybe another Aston Martin. Uh, he was, was stepping Fucking on rakes. Yolo swaggins, man. Just do whatever <laughs> we can. Let's just give it a go. Uh, Vettel also had a trip into the gravel as well on lap 11. He just couldn't get the car turned. Uh, and, you know, granted, due to COVID and, you know, his crashes, <laughs> yeah. he he's, has he's, only really had a handful of laps in the it's car. It's true. He's had, like, I think he had before quality, he had, like, 30 minutes in the car or something. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah. like all season. So, yeah, he said he just, uh, he said the car is hard to turn under, um, I forget what, I forget what he's 
how, how he said it, but yeah, it was just like judging the breaking point is hard under under brake yes. loading. I think it was. Yeah, so he was yeah. just struggling. They were all kind of struggling. Even the turn nine stuff was funny. You don't often see drivers miss that one, but I guess it's different yeah. this year too because they're carrying a bit more speed into it. So maybe maybe those braking zones are that much more tight, right? If you if you break at sixty miles an hour, you break at seventy miles an hour. It's an extra like forty feet or something. Maybe that's yeah. the, the maybe that compounds for F one speeds as well. Uh, lap 22, a good little scrap for 10th place between Ricardo, who had just come out of the pits, Stroll, and Albon, who hasn't hasn't yet pitted at this point, uh, and has vaulted up to 11th place. Albon tries to take Ricardo on the outside of a right-hander, but it doesn't work, and he loses momentum and a position to mm. Stroll behind him. Uh, one lap later, in more pit-instigated drama, Hamilton rejoins ahead of Perez, uh, Hamilton in 5th, Perez in 6th, who makes a great move on the outside of the long left-hander to pass Hamilton. And while Hamilton looks like he's about to take the position back, we get another safety car Yeah, because Sebastian Vettel has had even more trouble. The uh, the Perez-Hamilton one is interesting because it goes to show that even in a place like Australia um, where overtaking is difficult, uh, the, the odds are if you're on fresh rubber that you're going to get overtaken if someone's close to you. Like it, it, right it, out of the pits, yeah. Like the yeah. the overcost, undercost, the 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 strategy there definitely feels a lot different to last year. You do not want to be stuck that close to somebody um, on 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 your cold tires. But yeah, Vettel just loved the, the moped. He just he couldn't get enough of that <laughs> moped. He just wanted to keep crashing and having a couple more spins on it. Yeah, he just kind of loses it over a curb, uh, a lot like Schumacher did in the last race which propels him straight into a wall, snapping off his front wing. I, yeah, again, cannot imagine being a mechanic uh, for Aston Martin this weekend. Russell, uh, the last of the front runners to not have pitted, uses this safety car to his advantage uh, to lose less time than usual and comes out in third place. Mm-hmm. So on the restart, lap 25, Leclerc well, that, in front. That's where we also had the, I don't know if we talk about it an hour later, but the Mick schumacher Sonoda. Um, almost crash under yeah, safety sure, car. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. That was uh, Rob. You were saying you you had some thoughts about the 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 speed of the safety car on the straight. Basically, Sonoda was doing brakes and all that sort of stuff, and Schumacher got very close to crashing into the back of him. Just avoided him by basically going up the inside. The stewards had a look at it. Uh, I think because it was technically overtaking under the safety car, but they didn't give him anything. But yeah, you were saying there was there was there's, there's been a sort of a rising uh, tide of questioning about the speed of the safety car. Rob. Yeah, and like usually I don't bring this up because like the drivers you hear every year on the radio them complaining about the speed of the safety car. Uh, but particularly after this race, it seems like people are starting to raise it a little more seriously. Like, um, it seems like people are not blaming uh, Mick or Yuki for that near miss. Uh, it is that the pace being controlled from the front is kind of uneven. And so this was a place where Mick, under ordinary circumstances, should be expecting the track to be the traffic to be picking up pace uh, as it as it heads down the straight there. But because everyone at the front is observing the ten car length uh, gap between them and the safety car, uh, I want I want to say um, that distance isn't opening up quickly enough, and so traffic just kind of stalls out beyond the safety car. The other thing is. Uh, and maybe it's always been like this is just more pointed because the tires are different now drivers up and down the grid are complaining that they have no temperature in their tires uh, after the restarts like Leclerc was talking about the fact uh, that like it was there there was lack of there there was lack of like heat in the tires and then he had a little bit of like debris uh on on his tires after this after this restart and was completely like bogged down uh because the turn, car right? basically couldn't turn yeah um, crazy so yeah there, there's there's a few people who are you know were pointing out that it seems like the safety car uh might be actually creating slightly unsafe uh conditions both when they're when they're uh keeping pace behind it and then also on these restarts um right. which you know i don't know what the what the fix there is by all accounts the the safety cars are are going at pretty much uh a pretty rapid clip for a sports a sports car uh of that class um and it still has to be safe 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It can't be, can't be too, too fast. Speaking of uh, bringing in, what can you do to change it? They did add a new rule to the safety car this year's uh, this race as well. The Verstappen rule, as people have come to know it, which is that you cannot be driving up the inside of someone and looking in their wing mirror like Luigi in that Mario Kart meme <laughs> during the safety car. You need to stay behind the other car. Do not drive up beside them, which is what Verstappen was obviously doing Um to Hamilton at the end of last season a lot and you know the last lap of the race but obviously he did it with Leclerc a couple of times this year so uh, he was a good boy this time although I will say he was right up his tailpipe uh yeah even, take yeah. us to the restart yeah I, I mean uh, like Rob said Leclerc sort of had a bit of a wobble coming out of that final turn and almost like he missed the apex but it sounds like yeah he just had cold tires and wasn't able he sort of put on the accelerator wasn't turning had to lift off slightly which when you're entering a star finish straight is like the kiss of death because you miss that little bit of RPM at the start and you're going to feel it by the time you get down to the end of the straight so Verstappen had a good run on him um, leading up into that first turn but ultimately the Ferraris just had the pace this week yeah. and they just they were able to fight off the Red Bulls in a way that they weren't a Jedi you know like Jedi was a real Max just needs to get all the components right so that he's close enough on the straight and he'll get it done but qualifying practice qualifying and in the race like on a on a you know mano a mano situation uh the Ferraris were able to hold their own even with Claire bogged down so um yeah he retains his 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 lead and as we have seen in the first stint we'll see again he manages that gap pretty well he gets a couple of seconds ahead fairly quickly at a drs zone verstappen doesn't even seem to be able to get that close to him yes and by lap 36 perez has made it back up into fourth and is now challenging george russell uh, for third and makes pretty quick work of him with drs uh so now it is leclerc in first verstappen in second Perez in third, Russell in fourth, Hamilton in fifth. And Mercedes also basically told Russell to stop fighting it. Um, yeah. Which was also like, so where, where's Mercedes head at right now? Uh, Russell was starting to try and he and, and was kind of fending off uh, Perez, but it did seem like Perez had all the pace, particularly in straight line. Like when, on the straights, like every time... Uh, the Red Bull took a run in a Mercedes. It sort of felt like almost the inversion of, of last year and the inversion of what we're used to seeing with the Merc, where the Merc always just like gobbles up uh, the straights. Yeah. Here, it just seemed like, you know, you'd almost like see uh, Perez like shooting the harpoon into the Mercedes <laughs> and just like dragging it back. Um, and it was like 20 laps left here. So like he's not going to. You know, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't going to hold it. his tires, yeah. right? And that's and that's and and Merck hopped on the radio and was like, "Hey, so if you're compromising your tires to hold on to the position, that's a net loss for us. We would rather we if you were jeopardizing pace for position, uh, then that is not the strategy we want to be running." And you know, Russell's like, "That's not not what I wanted to hear," uh, but you know, didn't didn't put up, uh, you know, two all out of defense against Perez. I don't think he could have. Like, I just don't think there was pace there to do it in the first place, uh, but certainly seemed content to drop back into, uh, you know, drop back into third place and just sort of yeah. uh, keep the pace there. Well, all of that changes because a few laps later, as Verstappen pulls over on lap 39 with an apparent fuel problem for his second DNF, which stands for did not finish, by the way. If you're hearing that, don't know what that means. Uh, second DNF in three races. Yeah. Stop the car, Oof. please. So this sounds like it was an inc- something that they were aware of pre-race because he came on the radio and said, I smell some weird fluid. Everything is, and I think he cursed or something, or everything is not right. Was that early so in the race, or was that right itself. around the time that he No, this over. was right before the incident. And then... Yeah. Uh, uh, his race engineer comes on and says, "Stop the car, Max! Stop the car, Max!" So I'm wondering if this was something that they. He also got a fail sensor early in the race. Oh, he did. So maybe then yeah. is when they had it. But it, it it sounded like the type of like you know Red Bull. If there's something wrong with the car, they'll eke it out just to see if you know there's something they can do or if you know we, how many times have we seen Max trundle around an extra lap because they're trying to fix a problem with the car. But the difference yeah. between this one was they immediately told him to pull over, and uh, he immediately got out of the car, and he immediately and then, was very much on fire. 
Yes, sure. yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, yeah, the back of the car. It was they, he was ushering over also, the the. That guy was so was slow. Did you catch this moment of like just the most casual trackside marshal like response <laughs> with the fire? Like, if I'm Max, I'm losing. Like, I'm I'm ripping it out of that guy's hands because like Max is trying to be like, hey, the car is on fire, and we now know, especially with like cost cap stuff. Like that fire, yeah. you literally like just see billows of like euro money pouring out of it. If you zoom in on the ashes, it's yeah. all euro. So why are you sauntering <laughs> over here with the fire extinguisher? My car is burning down three feet away from me. Just get it in there. Uh, it was like I, like I was uh, hard to see. Maybe you know. Yeah, I was. I, I was having. I was. I was having a bit of a fit uh, watching it because it was very stressful. Uh, but, but yeah, it did seem like they they knew something uh, was maybe off with that from the start. Um, and then you know when when Perez asked like, "Hey, what happened with Max?" They were immediately like, "Not relevant to us." Um, yeah. So it seems like they had an inkling that like there was something up, and if it failed, it would it would like fail in exactly the way Max experienced it. Yes, a few laps later, uh, we've got a scrap between Botas and Stroll for ninth place. Uh, Stroll does some weaving um, down the mm. front straight and earns himself a five-second penalty. And just to recap that, if you are in front, you're allowed to make one defensive move and then rejoin the racing line. You're not allowed to just weave back and forth and block the person behind. Yeah. Um wouldn't be but, much overtaking uh, an F one if that happened. He'd also r- forced Bottas off the yeah off the at yeah. the end of turn uh, turn three, I guess it was. I think he sort of just didn't give him enough space either. So yeah, really, dove down the inside, kind of shoved Bottas off the track. That also allowed Gasly to come through. Um, Gasly though has his own trip onto the grass on lap fifty five, allowing Bottas to uh, repass him for tenth place. Mm. Um, and as the race comes to a close, Alex Albon in seventh place is racing on the same hard tires he started the race with. Yeah. And in fact, does not pit until he has only one lap to go, comes out in 10th place and fends off Zhou Guan Yu to finish in the points in a Williams having started 20th. Amazing. What a job! Lots of uh, lots of eyes on whether or not he was going to pull a Schumacher and just serve his required. I mean, that was a penalty, I think, was it for Schumacher? But to serve his required entry to the pit stop on the final lap, <laughs> just hope that your pit box is past the start finish straight. But uh, there is a rule now that um, you have to trigger uh, a sensor that is on the pit lane exit. Um, if you're doing any of those thing, for any of your pits to, pits to count. So he was not able to to do that. I wonder what would happen if he hadn't served it. Would he have gotten a 5, a 10? They must have calculated it. I think under the new regime, I mean, they might they have were, given him whatever the equivalent of the chair is. Uh, like. <laughs> yeah, just like DQ. Just, yeah. Yeah. Awesome for um, him, though. Get Latifi out of that car, for God's sake. <laughs> it's yeah. maybe not as bad as we think. Yeah, year. that was that was that was great to see. Uh, but Charles Leclerc wins the Australian Grand Prix, also gets the fastest lap at the last moment. Which, by the way, if he had not done that, the one who would have gotten it would have been Fernando Alonso. Wow. Yes, down there in seventeenth place, Fernando. So he wouldn't have like... gotten the point, but uh, <sighs> and he, yeah. Leclerc would have been denied it. Fernando was like on for a podium this weekend. That car Dude, was I think those Alpines yeah. are, are real. They're not. Yeah. I haven't hooked it all up yet, but I think they're. I think them and McLaren might be a battle. But it's, to, but it's so hard to, to tell, watch. right? Because McLaren are yeah. like McLaren's car is a totally different car this this weekend. Haas's car is a totally different car for all the wrong reasons this weekend. Right, they, they, like them and McLaren seem like they flipped. Yeah, well, it was felt like last year suddenly again. Like, what yes. happened here? And then in the interviews with Lando afterwards, like he was still saying, "If that's the same car that was in Bahrain, like that, like the the, the track suited us here. The car's the same. We haven't changed the car. It's just we're able to run a, a strategy that works on this track. We don't have one for the other ones. So it's it's mad to think that like we we tracks have always had." you know, favored certain teams because of the length of straights often or the amount of turns or something. But not to the degree we're looking at McLaren where they're like competitive 
you know, at the top of the you know, top end of the the top ten to being completely in no man's land. Yeah. In other tracks, it's really, I, I fantasy. Whoever wins fantasy F one this year. It's just like has the luck, the luck of the Irish or something. It's just like not. <laughs> I can't see how you can predict very much, especially well, with the reliability stuff. Also, you know, kind of unevenly, uh, really hurting Red Bull. They're just kind of lucky that Ferrari had a bad weekend with signs that that uh, they're not even further back at the construct constructors. I wonder if it's like you know if I think about like t- tracks like uh, Bahrain and sort of the the Tilka Drome design a lot of them have like technical sections and at least like one or two show-stopping uh hard turns in them and we do know that like with the new tire regulations and everyone complaining about understeer it has been cranking like you know effectively f1 cars uh there's like three categories of turn that like basically interact completely differently with the car and one of them is like the really hard slow corner and I think with these changes, Melbourne Melbourne just doesn't have those kind of corners as much as it used to. It used yeah. to have very hard ones. That last that last corner before the the start finish straight um, was you know basically a full like come to a complete halt, <laughs> make an orderly left turn. Uh, and so so I do wonder turn three if, as like, well. Yeah, yeah, was, I do wonder was, if the reprofiling six yeah yeah where there's things these cars were either struggling or or handling really well um in like like Bahrain and uh Jeddah that like just wasn't an issue here um but will be like at, at most of the other courses but yeah it, like it is it is really perplexing when you see this sort of like complete inversion of how the teams were doing and they don't have any there is no new part uh no new change that they can point to uh yeah, well, except the one team though that you could say clearly has made gains and is Mercedes and and you're wondering now if if they are going to start again it could be the track it could be this track favors them a little bit more as well if they don't like the slow speed corners it's mitigated here we'll see it again in Imola though but I do wonder if if they've closed that gap the question is on have Ferrari and uh, Verstappen lost out on some good early momentum I don't know that I constructors I don't know that I agree because what what I will say is if if Alonso doesn't have such a tough weekend, both in qualifying and in the race, I think he's up there. He might be up there with the Red Bulls and Ferraris, even. Mm. Um, and so, you, like you imagine the Mercs being like moved down one. If if uh, you know Max doesn't retire there, you know, then you're yeah. once again like squarely mid to back of the top ten positions. I think like Mercedes is in real trouble here, um, unless they can come to grips with it. Um, and I think they need to because again, the car looks like an absolute nightmare to drive. Um, well, let's run down the rest of the results here. Uh, rounding out the podium, Sergio Perez in second, and George Russell hangs on for third. Behind him, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris in fifth, Daniel Ricciardo in sixth. Finally, a decent home race, yeah, for Danny Rick, yeah. Uh, Esteban Ocon in seventh, Valtteri Bottas in eighth, Pierre Gasly in ninth, Alex Albon the last points paying position in tenth. Ahead of Joe Guanyu, Lance Stroll, Mick Schumacher, Kevin Magnussen, Yuki Tsunoda in fifteenth, then Nicholas Latifi and Fernando Alonso the last of the runners, and Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, and Carlos Sainz all DNFs. Okay, well, in the Drivers' Championship, Charles Leclerc has a commanding lead uh, in first, 71 points, 34 points ahead of second place, George Russell. <laughs> That's right. Who only has one Second podium, place right? in the championship. I think. I he, think this you're is right. Two. This it, makes two. Is it two? Oh, okay. Because of uh, the podium uh, at uh, Spa last year. Oh, no, no, no. I meant this year. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, his first with Mercedes. His first, uh, but yes, you're right. Of course, the how dare you call it a podium? Look, I'm I'm happy for him, but like <laughs> those were two mistakes were made. Laps, Rob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> George Russell is in second with 37 points, four points ahead of Carlos Sainz. Uh, in fourth place, Sergio Perez, who has jumped four spots, he's got 30 points, and then Lewis Hamilton in 
fifth. Max Verstappen all the way down in sixth place. Two it's, DNFs will do that for you. It's the old um, adage in to 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 finish in first. First, you got to finish like the. The reliability stuff like look what happens to Verstappen there where he is yeah. and Russell in second is another you know sign of that like just finish the races at this stage and you're you'll get those points it'll all add up yeah it's true uh there I think there have been um F1 championships was KK Rosberg one of them that never won a race won that a season race. <laughs> um, surprise in seventh place in the Drivers' Championship, Esteban Ocon, who is four points ahead of Lando Norris, who jumps up two spots into eighth place. Kevin Magnussen and Valtteri Bottas are tied with 12. And Danny Rick is on the board with eight points in 11th place. Then we've got Pierre Gasly, Yuki Tsunoda, Fernando Alonso, Zhou uh, uh, Guan Yu in 15th place, tied with Alex Albon. Um, and then... The zero pointers, Sebastian Vettel, Nico Hulkenberg, Lance Stroll, Mick Schumacher, and Nicholas Latifi. Uh, Keke won one race that year. That's okay. crazy. But out of like, you know, I think it's 12. 16 or Came yeah. second twice, third once, retired from three, <laughs> and disqualified <laughs> from one and still won wow. the championship. He <laughs> wow. got a lot of fifth and fourth places. Yeah. That's crazy. It's the Rosberg magic. <laughs> Well, let's take it to the news, fellas. Danny, you want to kick us off here? Yeah, there's some uh, there's some drama with Vegas. Uh, it looks like it's embroiled in a lawsuit. I don't think much is going to come of this, but it is quite funny. It's sort of like the ghost of the undying Bernie Eccleston uh, haunting F1 a little bit. So apparently there is a an ongoing lawsuit. They knew about this when they announced Vegas, that basically Bernie Eccleston had done a sort of a secret handshake with this guy, Farid uh, Sidfar, who is a Las Vegas businessman. Um uh, who's a partner in the firm uh, P2M Motorsports, or sorry, his partner rather, uh, Chad Christensen, um, that they think that they basically had the rights to do the Vegas race. And Liberty Media is like, that's just the letter. That's not a contract. We don't have to care about that. <laughs> is this in crayon? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a, it's just a, you know, it's it's a letter from Bernie in 2013 that he said appointed him to put together an operation to be the promoter for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So that's a a, a settlement that or a, a lawsuit that will most likely be settled, and we'll never hear about it again. Um, but it just is quite funny. It is the type of stuff that you would expect would happen with a Las Vegas Grand Prix. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. A couple stories uh, here for Rob. Rob, what can you tell us? Yeah, well, you, you notice this one. Uh, and it's, it's good when we talked about some of these issues around F1 logistics costs uh, having effectively exploded uh, in, in this year and already started putting pressure on the teams. But... Yeah, apparently there was a real risk that a number of teams were not going to get their cars uh, shipped into uh, Melbourne until very, very late uh, wow. in the in, in the in the race prep uh, process, and so they basically had to have uh, DHL's vice president of motorsport logistics, according to uh, an article by Jonathan Noble over at Autosport. Um, the vice president of motorsport logistics, which it's kind of amazing uh, that that position exists within a company, <laughs> but it makes sense, uh, flew out to Singapore uh, to basically offload a bunch of F1 freight from the ships they were on and have them flown directly to Melbourne. Uh, but they, you know, he was he was sort of talking, uh, you know, in in this piece about how like some of this is just how tight the supply uh and timing of these containers uh has gotten you said you know there's a quote from him in here from him in here saying there's almost a bidding war right now race from europe to asia to europe that we're pitching about nine hundred uh dollars a container are now about twenty thousand dollars oh my god uh, which is just absolutely uh absurd and so, like this is this is kind of what the what the teams are up against. Now, there isn't, you know, coming from DHL, I suspect there's a bit of a we're all trying to find the guy who did this uh, quality <laughs> to this quote because from what I understand, basically what people are being made to bid against is the net profit that running a ship from China to 
the west coast of the U.S. Effectively, that's that's what is happening. Is that like okay. you almost imagine a giant magnet um, pulling all the containers and shipping resources of the world into the China to West Coast uh, trade route, and you're having to bid hard to get any like freight earmarked for running other routes because there's so much profit uh, in wild. that in that connection. But like. The magnet in this case is kind of the logistics companies who were like, we would rather run empty containers back to uh, China direct from the West Coast rather than have them do what they've normally done, which is sort of circulate uh, around around the global trade network. So like that's that that is it's it's cool that like DHL is doing this concierge service, but it also does kind of indicate uh, the massive like distortion uh that exists in that industry right now um speaking of distortions maybe Hmm. so toto wolf is never gonna stop being mad uh about (laughs) about michael massey but he gave this interview uh just basically making sure that you know uh, it's time to give an, do another drive-by uh, on Michael Massey. And maybe this makes <laughs> sense because, like, I think Michael Massey is an Australian. And so maybe this this comes up because people are asking uh, about that relationship. But uh, he gave an interview. Uh, again, this is Autosport. Uh, but apparently the, the interview came with uh, Press Association. Uh, so I, I assume this is a... It's italicized at Autosport, which makes it sound like an outlet, but I, I do wonder if that more means like the, the F1 media. Either way, uh, some odd details. <laughs> so Wolf talks about right before Abu Dhabi um, that he had lunch. He says, it is quite interesting because I had lunch with uh, Massey on the Wednesday before the race. And I said to him, I really want to tell you without patronizing you that you need to take criticism on board and develop from there. Lewis does it every day, but you are the guy who always seems to know better. Explained Wolf. Uh, It wasn't about influencing, but really giving my honest feedback that he shouldn't block outside opinion as simply being wrong. Uh, Good meeting, Toto. This was, I think, I think that was absolutely the message you wanted to pass along to the F1 race director uh, before the final race of the season where you're tied. Yeah, Uh, he took, he clearly took it on board. Let's just say. And then, but then some of these quotes. So Wolf also says, and I haven't heard these from other sources, so I'm curious if if this is corroborated from anywhere else. Uh, again, this is Wolf talking about Massey's reputation. You hear from the drivers and how the drivers' briefings were conducted by Massey, and some of the guys said it was almost disrespectful how he treated some of them. Uh, there's a promoter of one of the races in the Middle East who said he was so relieved uh, Massey had gone because he got so so much abuse from him. Uh, he was just immune to any <laughs> feedback, and even today is not properly reflected that he did something wrong. He was a liability for the sport because everybody kept talking about Abu Dhabi and the race director. And the race director should not be somebody that people talk about. Um, and contrast to this, he's like, you know, the new the new management under uh, Niels Wittick and uh, Eduardo Freitas, um, nothing but praise except for the fact that they're already running and follow the drivers because they're, they issued some sort of like, I think maybe the driver's briefing. They were like, hey, you guys need to start wearing your fireproof underwear. Oh, yeah. Apparently, they don't have fireproof underwear. They're not talking mm. about the fire suits that the guys are wearing, which which they all do wear. They're yeah. talking about, like, your boxer briefs should be, like, fireproof. And the drivers are like, do they even make fire? Like, is that is that a thing? <laughs> like, none of them have heard about it. So they're all kind of, like, perplexed by this. And then, and then the new director's like, and by the way. There's been a ban on body piercings and jewelry since two, on the book since 2004. Right. Uh, so we'll be in a grace period, but you guys need to sort it out. This is some real new principle shit. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and like Hamilton's just, like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, sorry. What's I'm the not. fine? Well, yeah. apparently uh, some of his earrings are like welded in. Like oh, he funny. can't take them out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, like, I mean, I can see you can see the the danger there. Like in most sports, they want you to take things out because you'll get caught on something. I could see an F one it being 
heat fire related but also like if it's on his face he's got like a bloody ten thousand dollar helmet on so i don't That's, know like what the, you know and, again, the ra- like, and the also this is classic racial politics yeah. shit, where it's like you know what you know what we're gonna do we're gonna grab hold of that of that third rail here um and we're just gonna really we're gonna really seize it uh it's it's time yeah. to uh hoodies it, too we're gonna get rid of hoodies they send the wrong impression <laughs> yeah there's could like you, could, you know i mean it is skirts. it is true let's have all the girls wear skirts again let's you know let's let's get you it's get almost your, like the rules could use an update yeah and you just, know yeah. it is true that like in any place where you like have people operating heavy machinery um, there are restrictions on what like jewelry you can have. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, big loopy necklaces are obviously a no go for a whole bunch of reasons. In oh, a lot I have of known people who have had horrific. Uh, <laughs> if you worked anywhere near an assembly line, you've heard stories oh about gosh. you know that harmless piece of jewelry that you don't think oh could possibly my, hurt yes. you. Yes, I almost stopped wearing rings entirely yep. after oh, one of no. those. It's, I yeah, stop it! I'm gonna pass good. out. Not yep. good. So like it, it's it is true that these sort of regulations like don't come from nowhere. But I do agree that like in this case, it kind of seems targeted on one driver, and the piercings in question are yes, they are encased inside a incredibly expensive mandatory like helmet <laughs> um and so it seems like we can let this one go as we have for like a decade at this point mm. well um i forgot to read the constructor standing so let me do that right now ferrari Ooh. is on top big surprise with 104 points Mercedes in second with 65 to Red Bulls 55 in third. McLaren is in fourth with 24. Alpine in fifth with 22. Then we jump down to sixth place. Alfa Romeo has 13. Haas has 12. Alfa Tauri has 10. Williams has one. Thanks to Alex Albon. And in 10th place, Aston Martin. Terrific. Good on Williams. Good on Albon. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to join your own standings, you can join our Fantasy League using the link in the show notes. Uh, here are the top three from Australia. Uh, tie for second between Simon C. from Australia with the team House of Haas, mm. spelled the German, H-A-U-S. Uh, tied with Joseph from America with Team One. Joseph. And then uh, on top... From Australia, uh, or in Australia, from America, Nathan <laughs> with his team, Starin McLaren. Beautiful. Yes, well, but overall, we have a two-way tie for wow. third place uh, between uh, Aaron from Canada, his team, Guan Yu Feel the Love Tonight. Oh, I love it. Every time. Mm-hmm. We've got SH from America with their team, Red Means Fast. And then in second place, Morgan from the UK. Leclerc in nine to five. Oh. I can't wait to say these all season. They're, They're terrific. So yeah. I'm just holding back my singing. Uh, and then we've got from oh boy. Parts unknown. It's not it's not showing me <laughs> the ho- the the tooltip hover is not sh- I think this is Norway. Okay. It just has the the flag. It is black, or I'm sorry, it is red with uh, a blue cross on it. Christer. Is is, is there white around the blue? Yes. Yes, that's Norway. Great. Um, Christer, Christer's team, Yinwas Discipler. Is that Norwegian? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I hope I'm not saying anything bad. Uh, They are on top. Overall, in the Shift F1 Fantasy League Yenwas standings. That's right. I agree. Uh, you Freedom can also... Norwegian race, you could say that at the top of the podcast. That's right. Uh, yeah. You can also email us, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the way. Yeah. Well, guess what? 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 The Camping uh, World Trucks are back. My beautiful boys. My beautiful big boys. Yes, at Bristol Motor Speedway for the Pinties Truck Race on Dirt. Oh, they're doing it again. Yes. Awesome. The Dirt Race is back. 
dirt apocalypse talk yes. about track evolution over a weekend <laughs> uh boy not not a lot of racing going on this weekend maybe because it's uh easter sunday and it was a Super gt what's that and because it was such a banquet last week yeah that's true i by the way uh forgot to um mention that there was an indycar race mm. long um, beach and it was yes, it was good. I think people people noted um, that uh, we have to assume that Roman Grosjean is a listener of the show. Um, mm, yeah, because you the know Phoenix. I, you mean the Phoenix? Yeah, the Phoenix. And I'd said some harsh things about the Phoenix uh, and like his, his form uh, this year, and he <laughs> battled back uh, and turned in a really terrific performance at Long Beach. Uh, ended up second, was battling for the lead uh, there behind Joseph Newgarden, but it was another. Nice absolute banger of an indie race like indie is an in an incredible place right now i mm. can't stress enough how good indycar is um and groshan also appears to be in a pretty good place at least for that weekend great well we've got super gt at the okoyama international circuit on sunday in the town of mimasaka oh yeah okoyama prefecture oh love okoyama and we got NASCAR. Where are we going? We're also at Bristol. Dirt. Racing in the dirt. dirt. Oh, yeah. They're Indy. not going to clean up the dirt for us in between sessions. Not sure this is a good mix, but it's the Food City oh. Dirt Race. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Somebody didn't call the other side of the sales office, and they're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Damn it. By the way, did I miss, did I see something that like there was another fist fight in NASCAR uh, was over, there? Was over there? last weekend? Um, I saw I saw a video of um, a couple drivers, one in it. I guess not much of a fight. I don't. You don't get many points for being all like in a helmet and then punching somebody in the face while yeah, you're wearing. I've been a punched by somebody wearing uh, biker gloves and a helmet, and I wasn't. And it was a, it was not fair. Yeah. Uh, so if there's two people doing it to each other, it's just kind of like yeah. But in this scary. case, it was one. It was one guy helmet off, uh, and then one guy helmet on, and keeps punching the guy without the helmet. And like to me, uh, in addition to we probably shouldn't have fist fights uh, in Gasoline Alley in the first place. But like, also if you're gonna do it, don't be a punk. Yeah. Yeah. Not cool. I see it here. Yeah. Oh yeah. A couple. A couple of little sort of straight rights there between Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer. Oh, cool. I guess I'll find that and put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll link it to you. Uh, well, next week we will be back for the pre-Imola show. Yes. Um, but until then, final thoughts, Danny. I know less about this year or whatever you race. It's just, it seems like there's no consistent. The only consistent thing is the Ferraris are fast. And they're still yeah. fast. So, you know great year for the tifosi and he can't say they haven't waited a long time for it it's true this is the biggest lead um that the championship leader has had uh since the start of the 2021 season so this right larger lead than anyone had that season uh final thoughts rob uh the story i can't take my eyes off of is aston martin under the stewardship of Warren Stroll and his handpicked oh, yeah. cabal of McLaren castoffs, uh, this is not a good start for this whole. By some by some measures, uh, you took a perfectly good, successful F one racing program that had punched above its weight for years, and you fucked it all up. Did, uh, did what did Otmar do when he walked out? Yeah, I, I don't know. Did he like spike the engines or something? Like, uh, oh, okay, okay, Lance. I know we've had a lot of good conversations uh, about how, what you should do as a driver, but here are my parting instructions. It's time to really suck. Uh, so get to it. I don't know. It's uh, it is very funny that this is the way things are going. And you know, with with the lag time in F one, maybe like. Omar had already made some of these mistakes and like a decline in performance was coming. And that was like why, why he was kind of ending up on the outs, but just in terms of like, you know, what we call the optics of how this is all working out. Like Omar leaves 
Alpine's got kind of this like, wow, that team's got some moves now. They're they're coming along. <laughs> and meanwhile, like literally Aston is just into the wall. Yeah. Wild. Well, we shall see next week. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you could do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.